What's up, y'all? This is Tiny and Kelvin Smith. Running back DeAndre Torrey. Senior receiver Michael Lawrence. Senior guard DJ Draper. And you're listening to Bruni's Breakdown Podcast, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni. And with me, once again, is Colin Mitchell. You got a big old grin on your face over there, Bruni. Colin, I don't know how we're going to get through this podcast. I'm going to keep it up 100% real with you. I uh, It's not a tragedy. I, it's a comedy as the Joker movie. I don't know. That's, that's why you got that grin. I, have, I don't Where's know. Where's the face happening. paint at? Colin, Colin <laughs> I um, I don't know. I I came to this this establishment, this home, your home, Colin. I came, I came in yes. here and I told you I've never been more anxious for a North Texas yeah, football game. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew that if they won, you know, it'd be a lot of great spirits because, you know, Southern Miss is a good team, good conference USA team. And if they lost, it would it would just kill everything that all the naysayers we've been working for. It would ignite all the naysayers. Or, I, I, and if they won, it would kill all the naysayers. Oh, Sorry. yes. Yes. Yeah. And if they lost, it would be the feeling that I have right now. Yeah. Because it's I've a- said multiple times on this podcast, I'm not a, a crazy North Texas fan. I'm not a, you know, GMG till I die type of guy. I don't, I mean, not. it's not because I hate North Texas or anything like that. I, I love North Texas. I go to North Texas. But being here and it's been my fourth year here i've been able to be kind of objective yeah yeah and i feel like that's one of the good things when you come to this podcast you're getting i feel like you're getting some good takes you're getting some good insight and you're getting a little bit of objectivity from us because you know we're not going to come on here and rush for takes and we're not going to come in here and react like fans do right that's what i feel like we we do well in and so to see the fan reaction today is not surprising to me. Not at all. Not at all. Because if they, like I said, I was anxious. If they lost, I knew this was going to happen. But it's kind of hit me for the first time because for the first time covering this football team, this is only my third year covering this team, to be fair. But for the third time. First time. But there yeah. seems like there's the team is void of hope. And that's how I want to start this podcast off. So, <laughs> without further ado, Colin, that's a good way to open it. Let's re- and end it. <laughs> and end it. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> um. So no, without further ado, let's do this podcast. We're gonna recap the game, break down the game. We're recording this an hour after yeah, the so game for, ended. For all of you who are listening to this in the wee hours of the night, also in denial of what you just witnessed. We're with you. We're here for you. <laughs> so, yeah, we're recording this late at night after the game. So, if we miss anything or, you know, if something comes out, like if Trey Sager's cleared to play next week, tomorrow or something, and we that, don't know. We, then, th- th- this is this is like similar to SMU. Exactly. Instant reaction. Yeah. And you're going to get our raw takes. So, anyways, yeah, recap the game, break down the game, panic meter, answer y'all's questions, Talk about changes, all that good stuff that is probably going to keep us here for over an hour and a half. Who knows? Yeah, this is going to be a loaded podcast. All right. So, Colin, the game started off 
exactly how the other three losses started. Yes. The opposition walked down the field on North Texas and scored a touchdown. To absolutely no one's surprise. We were sitting there. We watched it yeah. happen. And we were like, okay, four plays, 75 yards, a minute and 23 seconds. Not surprised at all. Yeah. But to be fair, the offense came back and rebounded. They scored, which they didn't do in the other games. Right. So we were like, okay. Well, the off- th- there, were, there was some cautious optimism. It, it almost seemed fluke-like. Because they scored because, on a big play. Right, because they scored on a big play. Shorter. And, and he just he just threw it up and Jair sort of caught it and then dragged the guy 10 yards into the end zone. Exactly. So it, it felt flukish. But they were up nonetheless. They blocked the the they blocked the PAT. They were up 7-6. Yep. to six. Yep. They 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 were they were leading the game at some point. Mm-hmm. And then you know both defenses kind of settled in. They both punted or both offenses had to punt. Um, and then another big play happens. I think this was the the run or was this the uh, screen pass? It, for I for, say it was the for whom? Pass. For uh, SMU or for SMU? No, their screen Southern pass was the first touchdown. Oh, that's right, that's right. So, yeah. anyways, I believe this was a run. So, three play, seventy-two yard drive, minute and twelve yeah, seconds. It was a sixty-something yard run. Another explosive play, which we've come accustomed to when yeah. we watch this North Texas defense. And North Texas countered it again. You know, they they went up fourteen thirteen. Yeah, we're like, okay, you know, this is my, it's gonna be a shootout. It's looking like a shootout. Uh, S- Southern Miss scores. Um, um, oh. Mason Fine throws the interception off his back foot, which looked like a good throw. Bad decision. Good throw, but it's tipped. Bounces off the guy's foot. It's picked it, off. It, that was a fluke interception, but yeah. Yes, but again, the decision wasn't great. And he had a guy coming down the pipe right in his face. So it's a questionable decision, but he made the throw, and it was a lucky, lucky interception. Return to the 12. They score on the first play on an RPO and take the lead. And they get the two-point conversion, so it's 14-21. to 21. Basically, from there... North Texas scores again. They scored again with 5:23 left in the um in the in the first half. Yeah. On a on a good drive and that's when Mason had that nice throw on the out route to Jalen yep. Darden. We we're like, "Okay, cool." And then Ethan Mooney misses the, his extra point. So they're down 20 to 21 and from that point on this isn't in direct succession, but Southern Mist goes scores so after that touchdown, that which they had already scored, they scored a touchdown, field goal, touchdown. And that put away the game. And they went up 38-20 to 20 very quickly. And just like that, game was over. Jason Bean comes in. Mason Fine goes down with a shoulder injury. Trey Sagers leaves the game with an ankle injury, which he did in the second quarter. And Southern Miss rolls North Texas, defeats them 45-27. to 27, And demolishes a lot of hopes and dreams of North Texas. Every hope and dream. Yes. So, yeah. So that's basically how the game um, wound out. And I think, hey, okay, here's a question for you, Colin. What was the most disheartening thing for you to watch? Mason going down the first time because I knew he'd come back in and it happened a second time. Yeah, and he went down a second time, and then yep. he went down a third time, and that's when he eventually had to leave the game for good. It was his left shoulder, so not his throwing shoulder, so I could see why he was It's the same shoulder back. that was hurt against Houston. Exactly, exactly. And that is very, very, very concerning. Yes, because not only is it concerning because he's played five games, and if, it, God forbid, it is a uh, 
a season type of thing or a, an extended extended it, time. Okay. Yeah. Then he's not able to redshirt, especially since I mean we'll get into this later, but you know, like we said, all hope for this season is kind of uh, dwindling down to its to its last remnants. Exactly. So you you lose Mason for this game, and we don't know what the extent of it is. You lose Trey Siggers, don't know what the extent of that is, and you lose forty eight to twenty seven to 40, a yeah forty five twenty seven forty five yes. twenty seven to a Southern Miss team that was supposed to uh you were supposed to kind of win against. Yeah. Well. Let's get into our expectations, which um, I think it's okay to preface this before, while as we get into the game, is that North Texas received 20 first place votes before the season yep. in the preseason poll. Southern Miss received four. To win the conference. To win the division. To win the division. Oh, to win the division. Okay. To win the division. So these were perceived as the top two teams in the division, you know, talent-wise. And I think that's all those polls tell us is on paper where those teams stack up. And... Obviously, Rico Bussey's injury changes that, but I don't think even if without Rico Bussey before the season, if you would have said, take Rico Bussey off North Texas, who wins? I think it would still be a very close match. Might right. Be 50-50. Right. And that, so, because I was sitting there watching the game and I was like, did I overhype this team? And I I don't want to answer that question yet. I want to answer that question after we recap the game. But I think it's just a question that we have to think about. Yeah. It's like, Put it in everyone's head. Yes. Did we overhype this team? And I don't think we did so anyways we get into the game and i asked that question because this team just looked so overmatched yeah and the secondary up front on offense up front on defense like there was nothing that they could do and i think that Dion novo and ladarius were fine um and the linebackers were were okay but they just looked overmatched quez watkins jalen adams you go down the list of players jack abraham Passed for 424 yards. And 25 of 36. 29 of 36. Oh, 29 of 36. There you go. Even even better. For three touchdowns and no picks. And he didn't look unfazed at all. He didn't look bothered at all. That defense did nothing. <laughs> did nothing to deter him from throwing to a wide open receiver. Or throwing to a, a drag route over the middle that will go for 12 yards. And North Texas tried some zone. They tried man. And nothing worked. And that was the most disheartening thing for me. I definitely, I just thought that talent-wise, they were on par with Southern Miss. Well, you talent-wise, you could have argued they were on par with every team so far that they've played. Outside of SMU, after the fact. Yeah, but every loss has kind of lowered us in that. Right, right but even then, yeah, okay, every loss has lowered us. Going to SMU, we said the talent was the same. Right? I mean, for all yeah. intents and purposes, talent was the same. Going to Cal... Cal's defense is obviously better, but we thought offensively, yeah. North Texas far and away better. It balanced out. Uh, Houston. Houston, there's no Derek King. Okay, even even teams. And then this game, you, you knock it down another peg to a, to a good uh, Conference USA team. And you say, okay, on paper, they're the same. And we've been proven wrong every time that they are apparently considerably worse than all four of those teams that were not UTSA or ACU. Yeah, I think you make a great point in that. I feel like SMU... To Cal, to Houston, to Southern Miss. I feel like there's been a gradual decline decline in quality of opponent. Now, Cal, Southern Miss, whatever, you can interchange them, whatever you want. But this, the decline is, is obvious. Right. And we continue to lower our expectations. Be like, all right, well, surely we could play with them. No. Surely we could play with them. No. And, and this isn't even winning. This is just being competitive. Competitive. Exactly. And so as the game unfolds and you watch... The offensive line struggled to protect Mason, struggled to give him over 
two and a half seconds to let a deep route develop or two and a half seconds to let someone get open or just any amount of time to do anything in the pocket without taking a hit. Yeah. That, that was the first sign. Like they're not as good as this team. Like, like we knew Southern Miss defense was going to be good, but they're not as good as Houston, Southern SMU and Cal. Right. They're good. They're a very good conference. You say team say defense. Yeah. And so that was the first sign. And then the second sign is, why is Quez Watkins wide open every single time? Why is Jalen Adams wide open every single time? Why is number five wide open every single time? Like, what is happening? Why is why is Jack Abraham doing whatever he wants? Yes, exactly. And so then as that developed, then you're like, okay, that's another concern. I will give them credit, the defensive line and the linebackers credit, is that at least Southern Miss didn't rush for over four yards of carry. They gave up the 60-yard touchdown run, but other than that, you know, they... They, they the, yeah, least, they held it down. They at least held down the the opponent run game, but Southern Miss didn't have to run the ball to find success, and they did it with ease. So I think as the game developed, I think we saw more holes and holes and holes, which is what we've seen in the past three games, and we didn't expect to see that. Right, Southern Miss. And, and let's not kid ourselves. The game was never competitive at any point. Sure, North Texas was up 14-13. to 13. It was competitive in the first quarter and a half. But it didn't, but they were th- it didn't feel competitive. And and you you can't argue that with me because we kept seeing Mason get hit after every single play. He had that big touchdown to Jair Shorter. It didn't feel sustainable. It, exactly. I you always you was. always knew that at some point, North Texas wasn't going to be able to score on a drive, but Southern Miss would. I think the sustainability thing is the biggest thing because you look at North Texas' scoring drives. Okay, their first three scoring drives, which is basically when Mason was in the game. When right with Mason in the game, it was a thirty-four second drive. Obviously the Two plays, 50 yards, a minute 13 drive, and a two-minute drive. Now, those latter last two were five and six plays, so, I mean, it weren't, you know, one big play, so they had to do something. But still, you have three drives, three scoring drives of two minutes or less. And in the other drives, let me read off the time of possession for the other drives. These did not score. Two minutes, 58 seconds, two minutes, eight seconds, 39 seconds, and 54 seconds, and then 44 seconds. None of those time possessions ran for over three minutes. And that shows that should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. Is that this offense cannot sustain drives. This offense does not have the protection to sustain drives. When Trey Sagers went out, they did not have the run game to sustain drives. DeAndre Torrey, we've talked on this podcast how much better Trey Sagers is than DeAndre Torrey, and I think it showed again. DeAndre Torrey is a very good back in space. He broke a couple runs. He was fine. But there's just another level with Trey Siggers. You can and, rely on Trey Siggers to carry your offense. You can't do that with DeAndre Torrey. Exactly. And so I think that tells you everything you need to know. With the, When you look at the time possession, are you sustaining drives? When you go watch a good team, when you go watch Texas and OU play earlier today, OU, even when they didn't score, they sustained drives. And they were able to change field possession time after time after time and put Texas back on their 10. And Texas got out of that a few times. Like, they would get out to the 30 or 40 and then punt. You just have to sustain drives and put drives together that don't rely on one big play. And get into third and manageables and convert third and manageables. I don't even know what North Texas was on third and sh- third downs. But they were, oh my god. They were uh, 2 of 12 were on two third of, downs. They were 2 of 12. They were 2 of, I mean, if that, again, this... This should tell you everything you need to know is that they can't sustain drives. They are 2 of 12 on third downs. They're not getting into third manageables. They're not getting into the downs they want. And whether that's because of you know penalties, mistakes, sacks, failed run attempts, whatever you want to call it, they're not sustaining drives. And it's hard to watch because it's a boomer bust type thing at this point for this offense. And I think a lot of that 
I don't know what that hinges on exactly. I still don't think the offensive line is performing up to the caliber, but again, I think Trey Sayers would help that. I don't know if it's scheme. I, I feel like it all has a part in it. Right. There, there's there's more than one thing at play here. Of now. course, but not being able to sustain drives is the a majorly concerning thing to me. Yeah. And that was one thing that stuck out to me as well. It's just like, okay, if they don't make the big play, it's a three and out. If they don't well, yeah, I mean, that's even more evident in Mason's numbers. Sure, he had 217 yards and three touchdowns, but he was 11 for 25. Yeah. So 11 completions for 200 right. yards. That's that's 20, 20, basically 20 yards of completion. Yeah, basically. It's, uh, that was, so those were probably the main things. And uh, defensively, when you look at the stats, it's always funny because you look at the defensive stats, you're like, oh, who led the team in tackles? Taylor Robinson did. You watch that game, you don't think Taylor Robinson had a good game. You don't think Tyreek Davis had a great game. Uh, I mean, you don't think Nick Harvey had a great game. Those are the top three leaders in tackles. Yeah. And they're making tackles because they're allowing receptions. There's just a lot uh, that was alarming when you watch that game unfold. And, um, yeah, I didn't mean, I gave a lot of credit to Southern Miss. I, I expected them to be perhaps the best team in Conference USA, them, FAU, and North Texas. I pre- One of them, like entering this week, I predict, pre- predicted that one of them would win the conference. And I knew they were going to be explosive. I wrote this in my preview. Jalen Adams is explosive. They didn't even have their leading receiver, which I'm Jordan Mitchell. Is that, Jordan Mitchell. That was his name. Yes, who had 22 receptions on the year. They didn't have. Imagine them. it would have been, been way more of a manslaughter, I uh, a slaughter to than it was. Uh, but yeah, so Quez Watkins ended up with 198 well. yards on eight uh, receptions. Uh, he averaged 24 yards of reception. Then you had 66. These are the receptions. The receivers going down. 66 yards, 79 yards, and then 33 yards and 28 yards. Yeah. Tim Jones is the name of number five, who I mentioned earlier on this podcast. Yeah. Um. So, how about this, Colin? Let's do this. What group looked the best? Mason. That's, That's tough. I don't know. Well, damn, I don't even know who looked the best. You, you, I asked this you, question. I, I I, the only thing I can say is Mason because he was the only reason they put up points. Like he was, he was. Literally the only reason he put up points. Nobody else on this team helped him. What about receiver? No, because 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 you can say okay, yeah, Jair Shorter got open. That was his only catch. He was only targeted twice. Well, that is really his only. Catch. He was his only catch. Then you have Jalen Darden. Sure, he had eighty-seven yards and five receptions, but he had that fifty-three yard wide open. And then pass. He had, and then he had the, and it was busted the, coverage. And then, then he had four other screens. Then he had the bean touchdown as well. Right, we're not counting that. But yeah, I'm saying that does count. Yeah, as that and piece. then you have Greg White. Sure. But he also had a catch that Mason threw deep. Yeah, all these were all these were because of Mason, either finding the receiver, or it was busted coverage in Jalen's case. Yeah. Everything else, no one was open, and that's why Mason kept getting hit. I mean, you see, you see number of receptions. You have Jalen Darden with five, and then below that, it's Greg White with two, Deontay Simpson with two, and then one, 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 and that's it. Yeah, man, that's a tough question. Who who had the best? What position group had the best game? I th- I think it's quarterback. It's a good answer. I'd probably. Mm, I still like Dion Noble. Whenever I watch him, I, I feel like, like Dion he- Noble. But you can't. I don't think you can say Ladarius and Dion Noble have been the most consistent players on this on I this team. Take, yeah. But th- as a as a position group, you can't say that they did well tonight. They didn't sack. The, they didn't sack Jack Abraham one time. Nobody had, did anyone have? Nobody had a sack, right? Yeah. Nobody. There were no sacks. Yeah, and the, he maybe got hit like four times. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna roll with the defensive line. I think Mason finds a good answer. I think yeah, I mean maybe would be an okay answer. Um, 
I don't think running backs had a good day per se, even though they were they had spots where they were okay. Um, yeah, that's all I that's all I had. That's um, I, I have a question for you. Go ahead. How alarming is it to you that we came into this year thinking that the linebackers were going to be the weakest part of this defense, and the secondary was going to be the secondary was going to be the strongest, and the secondary is just by far the worst. Like, imagine it's, coming into the season yeah, no, knowing. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Uh, it's very concerning because they're 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 not playing well. And this is going to segue into my next point. But first, to answer your question, it's very concerning because I also don't think that the linebackers are particularly playing very well either. And I don't – I know that their speed is great. And they had moments where they showed that speed. Right, there were moments where yeah, there were there were times when you and I were like, "Oh, Tyreek, Tyreek, get him!" or "KD, you got him!" or something like that. Yeah, they shot him out of a cannon. Like they looked yeah. fast, and I was like, "Okay," but then there were a lot of times where it was just like, "Where's KD and where's Tyreek?" You know, it's up and down. It's not as consistent anymore. Now, I will use this to segue because I think that's all I had on the game. Did yeah, I'm done with else? the game. Uh, Ethan Mooney missed. Let's not even. Let's just let's just let's just point. skip skip that. I don't know if we can, man. That was that was rough. <laughs> And he's been good all season. That's why I don't want to take. But I don't think you can. Too big of a I, the reason why I say skip over it is because he's not the reason this team lost. No, he's not. He's not. But he bet he he has to. He has to right make. He has forward. to make those. Moving forward, he has to make those. Yeah, of course. The the field goal was not long. No, it was like 37. a thirty seven yarder. Yeah. And then the extra point I don't think was touched. So, um, but I will use this to segue into my next point is that we've now seen. Two out of the three years, the secondary completely struggled. God awful. Just be awful. Yeah. Like, not good at all. And last year, obviously, it was different. We've talked about this at angst, you know, whether it's because of the pass rush or, you know, the run run game, whatever, and scheme-wise, it doesn't matter. They played a lot of zone today, Mm -hmm. and they were picked apart probably worse than they ever have been playing man. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I've watched the film and sit here and be like, you know, you can't play zone here. Right. Someone has to do this or yes, whatever. I'm not going to, I'm yeah. not going to do that because I haven't watched film. I haven't watched anything. I'm not a coach. I'm not anything like that. I'm just a person here seeing what happened and reacting. And when I watched this team drop seven into zone and continuously get picked picked apart time after time after wide time. Open. Wide open. To wide open receivers. That is a defense that is not comfortable playing zone. That's not a hot take. That is blatantly obvious to obvious to anyone watching. And the players can say it's on them. The players can say no. You know, we're put in the right positions and we just have to make those plays. That's fine. But at a certain point, if the person that I am coaching does not know what they're doing and I'm telling them, you know, what to do theoretically and I tell them to do it in the game and they don't know to, and they make mistakes and they don't know how to do it. That comes back on the coach. That is not on the players. The players are going to go give it their best effort, do what they believed is the best and do what they believe they were coached to do. They just looked lost. Yeah. And I mean, no one was even close. And I think that is the result of this is now three years of, Coach Reffitt's system where he plays man a lot of times. And I feel like it hasn't worked so far this season. And so it's kind of like, all right, well, let's just bring four and drop seven into a zone. Let's drop it into, I again, I didn't see what coverage they were in. Cover two, cover three, cover four. I don't know. 
let's just drop. And it did not work at all. Mm-hmm. And they looked lost. And they were giving up drag routes for 15 yards. They were giving up post routes. They were giving up out routes. They were giving up every type of route you can believe. And that just showed me, like, this team is not comfortable playing zone. Yeah. And that was super alarming to me because, like, we kept coming on here and saying, like, you know, they play a lot of man. You know, why not just play zone sometimes? Don't do that. <laughs> Stop. Like, I'm, I'm obviously, man, wasn't working either tonight. Like, they had, yeah, they had plenty of struggles on 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 that as well. Taylor Robinson gave up a deep post. Um, I mean, there were plenty of times where it's like, all right, man's not working either. So nothing really worked. Well, you you bring up a good point. It was just jarring because zone is supposed to be kind of a safety net, right? You know, it's kind of, when it's third and long, you're supposed to be able to do zone, and it prevents those out routes or those whatever because then a receiver can't break off of the man when yeah. in reality it just left him tons of room to just be in open space yeah. but you make a good point when you say that it has to come back on the coaches because you can't deny the talent that's on this secondary yes. so you have Kyrie Mohamed who is senior good Taylor Robinson experienced uh is he a senior yes senior okay you have Cam Johnson who was going to be the number one corner coming of the yes. year you got Junior. Nick Harvey who was an SEC corner there's talent there so it comes back to some someone. I don't think the. Pl- it's hard to say because again, I'm not a coach like you said. Yeah. But at a certain extent, you have to th- stop thinking. Okay, like me last week. Oh, Taylor Robinson just needs to turn around, yeah. or Nick Harvey needs to do this, or so on. So it has to come back to coaching at some point, and it's starting to kind of trend toward that direction because, like you said, we've we've seen this for three years, and the common denominator almost is that they don't have EJ Gia and Brandon Gardner in their senior years. They don't have the pass rush that they had last yeah. year. Um, I, I mean, you you bring up who they have in the secondary, and I think that's a great point because, but let's even let's strip away talent. Let's say that they're an average, just okay, just some th- normal let's secondary. Say, let's say there's average players, um, average uh, defensive backs for Conference Let's say that they're even even if we say that they're ranked like 11th or something, which I'm just throwing a number out there. I'm saying, let's say that they're not that good. They have experience out of just, they have incredible experience. Kyrie Muhammad is a third year starter. Like you said, Nick Harvey played in the SEC. Cam Johnson is the only one who doesn't, didn't have a ton of experience, but he's been in the system for now three years and he's learned under Kimon Hall and everybody. And, um, Taylor Robinson's a senior as well. So you have, at the very least, you have a lot of experience. And another thing too, is, is this is almost very similar Obviously at different levels. Nate Brooks's sophomore year, when he was good, yeah, and then yeah. that, and then the next year when he was god awful, and Eric Jenkins replaced him, and he was basically benched the rest of the season. That's kind of similar to Nick Harvey, where we, but at the time we thought, okay, this is Nate Brooks, it's him, it's it couldn't be anything else, yeah. And now it's it you're seeing you're seeing a trend, and I wanted to point this out. I just looked up uh, uh, scores that Southern Miss has put up on opposing teams. Yeah. So Alcorn State, thirty-eight to ten. They mm-hmm. uh. North, Southern Miss put up 38 points. Mississippi State, they uh, put up 15 points. Troy, they put up 42 points. Alabama, they put up 7 points. UTEP, they put up 31 points against UTEP. You can't tell me that the talent on UTEP is better than the talent on this North Texas team. Yeah, I think it's, it's a great point. And I again, we just keep coming back to it. It's not like Southern Miss was out here making one-handed grabs. It's not like they were out here no, not making these spectacular plays. It was plays. easy. It, it looked it, easy. It looked easy. And that was the biggest concern. So um, I do want to give credit. We got a lot of questions. Again, thank you all for your questions. We're going to kind of do it like we did last year where we're going to. Last week. 
last week, I'm sorry, last week to where we um, kind of group them together and we'll talk about them in points. Um, so this section, I have, I have a changes section, but I'm going to, we're going to get into that in a second. I want to come back to this. Okay. Because I think this is, so I have, okay, so let me just run down what I have written. Yeah. Down, Colin, let everyone else know after we started. Exactly. Started our, we, opened the, we opened the can of worms. Yes. <laughs> so anyways, I have recap to panic meter to biggest concerns to changes. Those yeah. are the four okay. main ones I have. And so we went through the game recap. And I feel like we jumped ahead to biggest concerns kind of in a way when we talked about referent, which is my fault. But let's do panic meter. Okay. Let's, let's calm yeah, everything we'll, we'll down. Come, we'll come back to, ch- to the changes yes. in a moment. Let's calm everything down and let's go to panic meter, Colin, because this is our this is our segment. This is our baby. This is what we do every We've single week. It. We've nurtured it. We have grown it from last year against Louisiana Tech. I believe that's when it started. Yeah. And now we are here. It's the same scenario. It's, it's, it's come to fruition. It's, it's, been, it's been fed by a lot of panic. It has been fed and it is here. <laughs> so, Colin, um, last week I believe you were at a seven and I was at a six or yes. somewhere around. Yeah, I was. There. I was one higher than you. Okay, let's say you were at a seven, I was at a six. Um, Colin, now we've said before, zero is everything's beautiful. You're winning the national great. championship. You're going to the national championship. Ten is wholesale changes. Fire everybody. Obviously, fire everybody is hyperbole, but you get what we're saying here. Right. So on a scale, ten, of, ten means season's over. Okay, sure. Scale of zero to ten, Colin, where are you? I said last week if they lost it all, it'd be a nine. I'm okay. at a nine and a half. Nine and a half. That is the highest score ever recorded <laughs> in, in panic meter history. In panic meter history. I'm saying I'm, I'm going to use. Let's make let's make the the ten mean Seth's gone. We need to fire Seth. Okay. Let's make that what a ten is. So I'm going to say nine and a half. Because I said nine if they just lost and they more than lost today. So nine and a half. All right, Colin. For the first time this podcast, we're going to give some optimism. You going down to like a six? No, I'm not going down, Colin. <laughs> I promise you that. I am just looking at this. There is a shred of light, I believe, that keeps this from being a nine and a half. So I would, e- I'm gonna say that this is an eight. That might be low to people. That might be low to people. I I'm, glad, I'm glad. I'm glad you're here, being the conservative one. But listen, there is a shred of hope. Just one sliver. But this season can be saved if North Texas wins out <laughs> and wins the bowl game. I just want to laugh in your face, but I know that that's the only shred left. Look, it's it's a shred of light. If they win oh, out and they win the bowl game, they go nine and four on the season and win the bowl game, which I just said three times. It can happen. That let's, is a shred of light, and their schedule upcoming. Let's run through their good. schedule. You got you got Middle, Middle Tennessee. You got Charlotte. Charlotte. You got UTEP. You got La Tech, you got Rice, and you got UAB. Okay, look. The only two tough games there are La Tech and UAB. And UAB is even shaky, at which we saw against UTSA today. There's a real chance, not because this team's super good or anything like that. There's a real chance that this team goes undefeated for the rest of the season and win and it can win a bowl game. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there's a real chance. Now no, let's, I know let's stop laughing. Chance. Let's stop laughing I know, because I know. I know, I know. It's good that you're saying this because me sitting here, I'll be the fan. I'll be the 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 angry fan. Okay. Me sitting here has never seen it happen before, so I'm assuming it's not going to happen. Anytime there has ever been hope with this team, Utah State, we're going to win this game. It's blown out. Oh, hey, we'll go to Troy and or Alabama or uh, New Orleans Bowl and we'll beat Troy. Gets blown out. Oh, hey, Army Mason gets injured, loses. You know, SMU this year, SMU this, this entire year, this entire year. So. 
What have you done for me lately I there, agree. North Texas? I, I agree. So, yeah. so my nine and a half, I'm, I'm going to keep it there. It's going to be there until something really, really awful happens. Yeah. Because nothing it's can not get worse. So. It's not going to go there. <laughs> um, no, I'm going to stay at an eight. I think that's very high. That's, again, the highest. That would be the highest if Colin didn't set the record just two minutes ago. But um, I'm going to say eight. I think there's a sliver of hope because how bad the schedule is moving forward. I think Southern Miss is the best team in the West Division. I think they're the best team that North Texas plays in conference. So, if Mason's healthy, if everything goes right, I think that there is a small chance. I'm not going to say there's a big chance. I'd put it at like a 5 to 10% chance that they win out. And if they do that and they win and they win the bowl game, then this season is somewhat salvaged. Cuz then you win 9 games for a fourth consecutive year. <sighs> or a third consecutive year. I'm sorry. I can't even think at this point. Um, but yeah. So I'm going to say eight. You're at nine and a half, Colin. Let us know where your panic community is at, uh, listeners. Is yours just an eight flat? Eight flat. Wow. I was going to go eight and a half, but I'm going to roll with an eight. Um, we've never done halves before, Colin. You're just making I had to throw now. it because I couldn't, say, I couldn't say that the season's completely lost. Yeah, I agree. So we can move it down to a nine if you want. Now if they lose next week, then... Just blow it open. Yes. Eleven. I, don't ask me. <laughs> don't ask me. But yeah, that's that's my panic meter. Send us y- y'all's panic meter where y'all are at. Scale of one to ten. Send us like a two sentence explanation, like a like a discussion post answer and add yeah, the why for those students out there. For those students out there, we're trying to expand our student audience. Yeah, start our student reach. Um. Okay. Uh. All right, Colin. Next on my uh, that was an emotional panic meter. Next on my docket is the biggest concerns. Now, we talked about this during the game, what the concerns were during the game, and we talked about them kind of in a grander scheme. But at this moment, when you discuss, when we're discussing this team, Colin, what are the biggest concerns? Outside of defense, team? since we kind of already did that? Or are we... Give me... Okay, hold on, let me rephrase this. What's a bigger concern, offensive line or secondary? And are those the, those are the main two? I want to make sure. See, it's hard to say that because it's lumping a lot into one thing. Yes, I would agree with you. Those are the two things that are the most. They're the reason that this team is losing a lot of games. Okay. But there's a lot more to it. Like That's we mentioned right. this with with this, with the talent on the secondary. The talent on the offensive line is better than last year's. I mean, it's supposed to be. Yes, it's supposed to be. Yeah, on paper. I mean, we came to the year. Offensive line's gonna be great. We got DeAndre Planton and and Brammer's gonna be playing at right tackle. And every, and, the, whole, the middle three are yeah, returning. The, yeah, the middle three are returning. Yeah, the Mose brothers. So we're gonna we're just gonna say the talent's better there than last year. We're gonna say the secondary ter- uh, talent's better than last year. Well, the secondary talent is not better than last year. We're not saying the secondary talent's better than last no. year. No, if anything, it's on par. Okay, we'll say it's slightly on, worse. We'll say it's on par. Okay. Okay, we'll say it's on par. Because I think the sec- safeties are better, but the corners are slight step down. Okay. We'll say, we'll say whatever. Yes. They're not worse. Okay. There's no changes being made, and I think that's my biggest concern to the way that they're playing. Does that make sense? What do you mean? So like, they went man forever, right? Okay. On yeah. the secondary, they finally went zone, but there was no adjustments in the middle of the game to remedy, you know, tons of space. There was for the offensive line throughout Mason's whole entire career. It's they can't figure it out. It's just never been figured out. And it's just alarming to me that nothing is, there's there's been no remedy. I think that there's a better chance of figuring out 
figuring it out game plan wise and like in the middle of game wise in the secondary than there is at the offensive line. Of course, the offensive line. But that's why. But that's why I said. But that's why I said the last three years. Yes, because it's it's been a common theme. We've always we always thought it was on the talent. We always thought it was on Jordan Murray. But now you have a left tackle that played in a Power Five conference. You have a right tackle that's not worse than last year's right tackle, and you have the three brothers or the two brothers, and then uh, Alex Alex Woodworth. Who are all returners and have been in this system for, and they're seniors, yeah. except for one. Yeah. There's no reason why they should be. Mason is literally getting slaughtered every game. I mean, the the shoulder injury shouldn't have been a surprise, or so it shouldn't have been a surprise. He gets hit every game like 20 times. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, if it sounds bad, but we've kind of, I've been waiting to see if he can hold up, and it sounds terrible to say, but like nobody in the world can hold up what he's been going. No. Through. And and, and 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 it's and it's funny because a lot of people say Mason's injury prone. Who, who the hell says that? It's just people I talk like people I talk to who are casual fans. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, not people who probably watch the game, like like the people that are listening to us. But like I know a lot of people, like my uh, a couple of my friends, I won't name who they are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right. They always say, "Oh yeah, he, Mason's gonna get hurt, or Mason's knee, or Mason whatever." Yeah. But he gets hit double digits every game. Yes. So that's my biggest concern is the lack. Of changes when things are supposed to be looking up. Now, you, I'm trying to figure out changes wise because there's three different types of changes. There's changes before the season. There's changes on a week and a pre week. Before the season, changes are there. Okay, so those changes are those there. Those changes are there. That kind of comes to the personnel. Right. So. The, the personnel changes, you know, you got left tackle, you got your right tackle, you have your three. Then in the secondary, you got Nick Harvey, you got Cam Johnson. That's fine. Yes. And I mean, even Dominique Harrison. Yeah, Dominique Harrison. You got depth at corner, yeah. whatever. The changes come schematically. I mean, like I said, I'm not a coach. Like you said, you're not a coach. Something has to. There's a hole somewhere. There. Because I'm. You're just not gonna tell me that this secondary personnel wise, and let's let's throw Mikhail Sanders in there too. Let's throw the, the nickel yeah. spot in there too. Jamil Moore. Moore. Let's throw them in there too, because they are. Jamil Moore was right here. Solid last year. Yes, they are the same players. Yeah, they are Mikhail Sanders. Took the spot and he was fine. You know, the first couple weeks, he um he got beat a couple times today. He gave up a couple, and so we have to throw him in there too. You're just not gonna tell me that personnel wise, those five defensive backs are significantly worse than Southern Miss's defensive backs. Not at all. And I know that kind of comes back to you know when you look at the receivers, Southern Miss has better receivers and they're North Texas on the outside. It doesn't matter. But again. I feel like anybody would have got open today with if they were running the same routes. Like if you swapped the receivers from North Texas and Southern Miss, the North Texas receivers would get open the same way that yeah Southern Miss Southern Miss's receivers were not doing anything special. No, they were standing there with their hands up saying, "Hey, hey throw me the ball and I'll run for they twenty had yards." Some drops too. Yeah, but so that's 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 all I'm trying to wrap my and, head and around. You, and you could even right argue now. defensive lines the same way. Obviously, they've been the most solid unit so far, like we said earlier, but they didn't have a sack. No. You have you have uh, Ladarius Hamilton, who's arguably one of the best defensive ends in in Conference USA, and you have Deion Noble, who's arguably one of the best defensive tackles. Those two should be getting some push up front, and Jack Abraham did whatever he wanted. Yes, and they also brought Joe Joe Azogu and Jamie King a lot off. The yeah, end, so they were coming with four a lot. Yeah, which doesn't mean you have to have sacks or pressure, but you know. Eventually, at some point, you have yeah, to do something. There has to be something. There, eventually, you're going to get through. So, yeah, th- my biggest concern is, I guess, those two position groups, but 
the main thing is there's lack of cha- fixing these these issues these past three years. Yes. Okay. Um, we do have one question about this, or that we kind of lumped into this. Okay. Um, so here we go. Mean Green Football sent us a question about. Okay, he said, "Do you um something about do you think incoming recruiting classes will be made um will help close the gap up front basically? So he feel he he asked basically, do you feel like the incoming recruits and you know not only this year but last year, you right. know, the class of twenty nineteen, even the class of twenty eighteen, maybe to an extent, mm-hmm. do you feel like those guys will help sure up the offense line and sure up the defense line as well? Jordan Mur- Jordan Murray." The person who we've talked about several times on this podcast responded. Who we thought was an issue. Yes. On on this offensive line. Yes. He responded and he said, LOL, to to that tweet. All right. There, Jordan Murray cannot, cannot laugh at anything. Jordan Murray cannot come on here and call anybody out on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I don't care if this team gives up 30 sacks in a game. <laughs> I don't want to hear Jordan Murray on Twitter adding people and first of all, I don't does he follow me? I don't even know if he follows me. If he does, cool, whatever. To find the tweet and just type LOL into it and not put any effort into it and just make people people feel bad about themselves for asking genuine questions yeah. to a podcast when you yourself <laughs> have been a very big problem for this team for three years. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that at all. And I have to protect my... I don't... I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I'm calling... I, well, I am calling him out. I have to protect my listeners. I have to protect people who listen to this podcast and want to ask questions because they should feel safe to ask questions <laughs> yeah. on Twitter. I don't want Jordan Murray calling people out. I'm tired of that. So, like you said, Alex Woodworth has not had a great season, but he's damn sure an upgrade over Jordan Murray. And... You mean DeAndre Planton? Yes, what I say? DeAndre uh, you said Alex Woodworth. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. DeAndre Planton yeah. has damn sure been an upgrade over Jordan Murray. I highly doubt Jordan Murray listens to this podcast, but if he does, he can he can do me or whatever. But you can say anything besides LOL to that. So anyways, I just want people to feel safe when sending a question because don't worry about what the hell Jordan Murray has to say. All right? <laughs> I don't care about that. I just wanted to address that real quickly. But to answer your question, I do feel like the 2019 and 20 classes – will help show up the front line just because they're so high rated. I mean, we'll see what they can do. They have a long ways to go to get there, but um, I feel like there is some potential to um, to help in the future. You're now. You, so you were saying with this current coaching staff, no changes. Ooh. That if you if, if they develop on a steady track to be... Well, okay, so here's the thing. It's interesting because when you look at the offensive line right now, when you look at where they were rated in high school, it's kind of like anything... So, for instance, Clayton Toon was an 86 rated out of high school. Give me, give me, give me a a, a quarterback. I don't know any any other quarterback. Jack Abraham. Okay, any other quarterback rated at like a 78 or an 79 has the potential to be better than an 86, but 86 is typically better. Obviously, right? I'm not blowing right. anyone's mind right. here with better recruits typically become better players. So, the recruiting classes have gotten a lot better. So we'll see if they are able to pan out in the future. And that's a long ways from now. That's three years from now. That's right. two years from now. I don't even like thinking that far ahead because it hurts my head. But, you know, they have potential at least. So I I do want to give 
fans some solace. I, I don't want to make them feel a little I'm here bit to better. Tear down their tear down their their whole house. <laughs> I want to feel them make a little bit better. Be like, There's you know, no better. In the future, I do feel like there are going to be chances. It does not matter. There are going to be chances. It doesn't matter. Now, it, right now, now a bigger deal is who they can replace Mason with. But that's a discussion. But my for another my day. point is, it goes back to the secondary. You have Nick Harvey, who is whatever rated eighty high eighties, low nineties. I don't I don't know what he was. Oh, Nick Harvey. Yeah. Oh, Nick Harvey was was. Sixth rated, sixth best cornerback in the country. There you go. Yeah, the sixth best cornerback in the country coming out of high school on a Conference USA team, and he has not done anything to look like that. So that is where I do not think if you were to keep this current coaching staff and you just develop the players like you've been doing, zero chance anything gets better. It's interesting. Well, I can't follow that up. But anyways... <laughs> um, <laughs> Again, I I think there is some solace moving forward, but we'll yes, see yes, the players are more talented coming in than past draft or uh, recruiting classes. Yes, that's that can't be denied. No, but it's how you develop those players and how you coach those players. And so far this season, I haven't seen anything to where the good players that they do have have been performing up to what they should have been. Yes. Okay. Uh, thank you for your question, Ming Green Football. Uh, that's not Ming Green Football, like the official. Right, you know, imagine football account. Imagine they're not sending us questions. Uh, this is a person with the the name Mean Green Football. So thank you, Tim. All right, changes calling. We've kind of talked about changes already, but we have a lot of people calling for heads. Colin, I saw you know you what just on the internet. You know you got people calling for Seth's head. People want Graham Harrell to come back and be the head coach of this team. I mean, you got people resorting to a lot of a lot of crazy things right now. Uh, Obviously, Bodie's head has been on the block for a few weeks now. Refit's recently been added, so everyone doesn't seem to be safe online. Now, do nobody. We, do we want to start off with coaching changes or personnel changes? Just open it up however you want. What feels natural to you, Bruni? I say we go players to coaches. Okay, let's go players so, to coaches. Do you think any? Do you think any depth chart changes will made will be will be made in the depth chart? I can't even speak. Mm, it's hard to say, right? Because tough. okay. It's hard to say because you there's no backup that you look at and you're just like, man, I really want to give him a shot. Right. Quinn Whitlock? If, if no. Jameel Moore come back? Jameel Moore, sure, but he was already replaced with so that. Would I don't Mikhail count that one. I don't, I, I I would don't do know. I would do the Mikhail Sanders to safety just to try it. I'm, I would, just rotate him in just, a little Yeah, just see what it is. But the only one that I guess I could think of, gotta, I got to root for my boy Oscar Attaway here. <laughs> if Trey Siggers is out for an extended period of time, he has four games. Throw him in there. I like that. It, I don't hate that at all. I was I was saying today, throw him in there. Okay, and and it's and we've yeah. talked about at lengths. DeAndre Torrey is a good back. Yes, but when you see Trey Siggers just run people over and make something into nothing, and DeAndre Torrey not able to do that at all unless he's in open space, give someone another look. Uh, Lauren Easley's clearly not a hundred percent. Nick Smith has not been what he needed to, needs needed to be in the past yeah. or now. Give Oscar a chance. Throw him out there. I think, I still think you have to register him, but I don't. I like the just, four just games play, just playing for four games. See what I, happens. I like the four games. If he wins you a game, he wins you a game. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I don't think you'll need to play him against like Rice or UTEP or whatever. No. But you can you can use him smart in situations. Um. I don't hate that. I I've hated before when you have brought up Tra- uh, Oscar right away on this podcast, <laughs> but I don't hate that for the first time. I don't, and that's if Trey Siggers is obviously yeah. If Trey Siggers is fine, if Trey Siggers is fine, then like, keep him. For instance, well, for Trey Siggers left the game with an ankle injury. I highly doubt he'll be out for more than two weeks. Like let's right. say unless it's, unless it's a high ankle sprain that's bad. But yeah, but it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. Yeah, it, his that his, bad. his injury didn't appear. So that let's bad. say theoretically he's out for three weeks. 
give Oscar those three weeks. Yeah, give Oscar those three weeks. Doesn't doesn't hurt anything. Who knows? It gives him experience. Yeah. Um. So I don't hate that. Uh, personnel wise, I'm trying to think. Are we assuming Mason's out next game? No. Okay. No. Then I wasn't making because it's a non-throwing shoulder. Right, but I mean, even still, it was two weeks ago after he kind of hurt it, and he hurt it again, and he hurt it again. <laughs> so like, I'm terrified for him, dude. I really. I mean, he am. Le- He didn't come back to the sidelines, right? I believe no. He went to the he went to the opposing locker room, which is you which you informed me on on where... well on the on the North Texas side. I don't know if this is on the away side because I never go over there. But on the North Texas side, there's an X-ray room on the home side. So yeah, okay. Well, maybe he's going to get X-rayed. That's not a good thing, but it's not. Well, okay. I'm just gonna say if Mason is not here next week, yeah, I don't want Jason Bean out there. Who do you want? Give me Austin. Austin. He can you. throw. Jason Bean. I'm not saying it's bad, but Jason? this team is not built around running quarterbacks. Like that. That can be. I'm interested. You're interested. I don't know. You're interested. I don't know. You could do some stuff with like RPO. I think they both have to play if Mason isn't there. I think they both have to play. Like I think just like rotate them in and. Out. I don't. I don't want to do it in and out, but I think. Austin Annie has to, for instance, if Jason Bean goes the first three possessions and they just maybe get a field goal out of it or something. Yeah, Austin Annie has to come in, and, and he and then you just have to give them both chances, I think, because they're yeah. completely different players. And I think yeah. at the very least, it gives defenses something else to look at, right? Because neither one is very like good as far as like a consistent starter goes, right? Who knows? I I think Mason will be back, but I don't know. But that is your take. I'm curious to see if Deion Hare Griffin starts next game. Did, did he, he did start he ever, this game? Yeah, he, or I don't know if he started, but he, he played a lot of a snaps. Lot. He played he a lot of snaps. Lot. One reception for seven yards. How many targets? One. That's good. <laughs> yeah, one. It might just be Deontay Simpson time. I mean, he had two catches, and he we didn't see him on the field that often. I don't think. Uh, I I mean, I saw him a good amount of times, but I didn't see him more than Deion. I saw him about. The but same. he wasn't like a number one read like Deion has been. Oh no no. It might be Deont- Deontay Simpson's time. Uh, they haven't used any other receivers, really, in any young receivers. No, I mean, Austin, outside of what they've been Austin having out there, they don't really have anything we else. Saw Austin, we saw Greg White a lot, more than we've ever seen him before. Mm-hmm. It's either Greg White or Deontay Simpson time, I think, on start opposite of Jair on the outside. I Which think, doesn't really matter because they're all going to get snaps. Right, but... I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Deontay Simpson at least had two targets and Greg White had five. I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there to see if it sticks to the wall because... That's where, that's where we are at this point. That's where, that is where we are at this point, Colin. <laughs> um, offensive line-wise... Do you put Thomas Preston back? I don't know. Is that I a like hot take? Alex Woodworth. Is that a hot take? Alex, We saw Alex Woodworth get blown by. We did, we did. But we saw everybody on the offensive line get blown by. That's a fair point. I think Jacob Brammer's probably the weak spot at right tackle right Man, now. Man, whenever yeah, you he's said... he's a sophomore, whenever, so... Whenever you said in, uh, in camp, fall camp, whenever... Uh, Oh yeah, Ladarius was, was, going, at was going at him and, and and getting in his face. I've never ever wanted you to just take that back and act like that never happened ever. Get stuck in your head, right? <laughs> yeah. Now now every time he gets blown by, I'm like, dang, Ladarius did that. We should have seen that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was red flag number one. Uh, I think there might be something change up front, but I don't know if they have. But anything what that could would you change? Better. Thomas Preston, maybe if he can play right tackle. I don't know if he can or if he's restricted to a guard position. Who knows? But on the outside, they don't have a ton. I mean, Chandler Anthony, Chandler Anthony, I believe, is inside. Cole Brown, I believe, is inside. Um, they don't have a ton of like experience. Yeah. Him. So I don't know. Thomas Preston is a senior, though. So like you said, who knows? Maybe he can. Maybe he'll come in for somebody. 
I don't know. Uh, it is worth mentioning that Sasai Mose, the center, keeps having bad snaps every now and then. Yeah, it's weird. Which is very annoying and completely kills a play. So Yeah, and kills Mason. Like. And, and does, then does kill Mason, yes. <laughs> so, anyways, I think that's all the personnel stuff I have. I don't... Yeah, there's I don't, not a whole... Like you said, there's not a whole lot you can do when there's no guy that really jumps off the page. Here's one thing I am interested about, though, is the amount of snaps that Kevin Wood and Mike Linehan are playing at linebacker. I didn't see a ton of Larry Nixon. Did Larry Nixon get a I have. I didn't see he a He had one tackle. Okay, but Larry Nixon is a retro freshman. Kevin Wood's a true freshman. And uh, Mike Linehan is a senior, but he is a player who we both have understood to not be very good. As far as which I which <laughs> that, sounds really mean. Just say it for what it is. Which sounds really mean, We're, but it's that time. Of, it's that type of podcast. But just we say expected Michael Linehan to be more than what he has been. Right. We expected him to start. I expect before. him to compete for a starting job, and I don't know if that was ever case. So now he's behind Kevin Wood, from what we've seen. At yeah. Least. Um, I'm kind of concerned with that backup linebacker rotation. Like, Throwing the Murphy brothers. Doesn't matter. They're, 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 I don't know if they're going to be better. I mean, Kevin Wood's been good, well, but he's like, been good for a freshman. Right, That's good for, thing. exactly, good You're for a freshman. True freshman. But I'm saying there. if Mike Lenahan, it, like we talked about this last year with uh, Jordan Murray and, and Bramer, if Bramer's on a big drop-off, throw him out there, gets experience. Exactly. Same thing with Mike Lenahan and, and the, the uh, I forgot which one plays inside uh, of the Murphy brothers. Gabriel. Gabriel. Same thing with Gabriel. If he's not a big drop-off from Mike Lenahan, throw him in there. He's already playing special teams, so it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's not like he's rushing or anything. Uh, all right, that's all the personnel stuff I have. Now we're getting to the meat. The meat. Okay. Are no, you ready to? It's time to put our 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 lukewarm takes, lukewarm, lukewarm take hats on yeah, because we can't be we can't be emotional about this. We're not a we're not a hot take podcast, but we'll be lukewarm. All right, no names, please. Ask. I'm gonna summarize your question because that's all I have written down is the word ref it. Is it well, time? That's all he asked, I think so. a lot of people. Are asking this question whether it's to us fans or to their at that friends. last home game. We're screaming his name. All right, Colin. So, is it time for North Texas to move on from Troy Reffitt? I think that is a polite way to say it. I guess yes is my is my short answer. But who are you going to replace him with? Is my next answer or next question? I guess. I think there's. Okay, so here's the thing. If you did get rid of Troy Reffitt, I believe that the next in line for a defense coordinator spot, just from what I know about this team, right. from what I've gathered as what far as experience around. goes, yeah. is Clay Jennings, who's cornerbacks the cornerbacks coach, right. co- cornerbacks coach. Clay Jennings and Troy Reffitt are best friends. Okay, Do they both go? Okay, well, no, you can't fire everybody midseason. You just can't. You just you can't. You have to have a cornerbacks coach. Right, no, I'm just, um, I'm just and I don't. And it's not like basketball where you fire coaches midseason in the NBA or something like that. Right. In the NFL, you fire a head coach, obviously, but then you have you know an interim coach step up and yeah. you keep a lot of position. You keep you, your position you never, coaches. And a lot of times in football, you never see people midseason hiring new. It's always someone interim. Yeah. I think it'd be. I first of all, let me just say, I would be shocked. I would be shocked if any coach was fired. Something that is far more likely to happen is for someone to be relieved of their duties and to be lowered down. Like, for instance, let's say Troy Reffitt goes from the defensive coordinator to the co-defense coordinator with Clay Jennings. Or something along, or Glenn Scott, the linebacker's coach, becomes a co-defense coordinator. Something like that. Like yeah. It's much more likely that someone gets demoted or right. s- and promoted, you know, like that than anything else look for an offense maybe tommy maynard tommy maynard maynard tommy maynard 
I, I'm that's how you spell his name. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Tommy Maynard is the past games coordinator mm-hmm. for this team. He has been the last two years. Maybe he gets a little more say in the offense. I don't know if that ever will become public. I don't know if we'll ever know that, but it's far more likely that people just get more responsibilities and less responsibilities yeah. than anyone getting fired. I completely understand the want to fire someone like because we see it a lot of times in professional sports and we see it as head coaches or from head coaches being fired um, like Jay Gruden for the Redskins, but it's just not too realistic. I think it's more realistic that a head coach gets fired than a position or like a, a coordinator. Right. I don't no, know if I, that makes I, sense. I completely agree. Because a head coach is kind of just an overseer and right. he, he makes the general manager decisions. The position coaches actually have to coach like yeah, the stuff that you want to implement. So think of it that way more so. Yeah. Again, I would be shocked if anybody got fired. Yeah, I, I mean, Seth Charles not getting fired. No, first of he all, just signed a new all. extension. He's not getting fired at all. Okay, yeah, no. so just throw that get out of your brain. That. Throw that out of your brain. Um, Bodie Reader here to stay. Yeah, but a lot of them just signed. I mean, contracts. It's tough to get rid of people, but I do think that. I do think there is a chance that we could see some different people start to make some decisions in the room, start to get louder voices. Whether that is Clay Jennings, who's been at like. 10 universities including texas tech last year like these are guys who have been experienced glenn scott was at virginia tech last year i believe like you have guys in the room that know what they're talking about and maybe they'll get a little bit more of a voice moving forward. yeah and now, like i'm not you saying said, whether or not we know that yes okay again whether or not we know this and i'm not saying that they don't have a voice already because from what i understand is that they're all really good friends and i've seen like clay jennings and troy are BFFs. Yeah, there's no coup happening. Yes, in the defensive side of the ball. But but I just think that you know maybe Tommy Maynard will get a yeah say maybe um who knows will get a big say I don't know but there will be I feel like at least some sort of hierarchy change in a sense I don't know what that means I don't know if we'll see that I don't know how we'll see that I don't know if we will see that but um it's something to look out for. Nonetheless, I will definitely. Okay, then I'm going to follow it up with another question because I don't feel like fans would be satisfied with your answer. Damn it. Okay, um, go ahead. Who's getting fired at the end of the season if it continues like this? Man, dude, you just, you can't give up 45 points to Southern Miss. You can't give up, let's say they go to, they, they play middle and give up 31 points. And they, <laughs> let's say, let's say they play UTEP and give up 28 points. Let's say they play a team, but the thing is, we don't have, when they play bad teams, I feel like they should be okay because UTSA was a bad team. Okay, UTSA. If Frank Harris was in that game, I promise you they only know, they don't only score three points. I agree, one hundred percent promise. Oh, com- completely. That's a game. I feel like at it's this not, point, it's not a game, but it would be. Uh, you don't even. You can't even say that. I can't say it with complete confidence. But regardless, um, I'm just saying you. I feel like Refit's the most likely because of you just can't have bad, bad, bad performance like this. And Seth Luttrell, one important thing to note is that Seth Luttrell is an offensive coach, right? We've known it since he's gotten Right, here. so he gives all duties to the exactly. defensive coaches. Exactly. He has no say. I, don't I mean, wanna, he has, I don't want to say no say, but yes. He has a yes. say. It's, it's, it's similar to like, uh, to like Jason Garrett in the Cowboys. Jason Garrett's an offensive coach. Him and uh, Kellen Moore do the whole offensive thing. He said, hey. Yes. Uh, man, I don't remember well, the names. it was names. Rob Marinelli, and now it is um, a person whose name I guess. right but I it's the two guys the young guy and the old guy <laughs> and, yeah. and and they and he gives the reins to them same with Sean McVay and the Rams he gave it to Bill Parcells that's all his deal it's his baby it's almost like co-head coaches almost um yeah so anyways 
Chris Richard. It's also a name. There you go. And then there's the young guy, but I forgot his name. Yeah. And okay. Anyways, um, so yeah, I just think that's probably my answer. I would say Refit if this continues because I believe Seth Luttrell is a um offensive head, offensive coach, and so, but then they, and they and they just hired Reader. I feel like that'd be Reader tough. stays. I don't know, but I don't know if it's fair, but right. But how do you, so 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 what kind of changes do you think they could make to make anything better? What immediately? What, Oh, you mean, you mean just in the in, the in general? If you can do it immediately, sure. If you can't, there's then... nothing you can do immediately. I don't think coaching wise. I don't think anything will happen immediately coaching wise. Not we, even coaching wise. Just working, schemes or we are working under the assumption that Seth Luttrell is coming back next year, right? Correct. Because I think, if Seth I think Luttrell, at this point, once you lost this game, he's here. Because if Luttrell leaves, obviously that includes wholesale changes. Right, and, I, and, and, and I don't. Seth isn't leaving because one, he's not getting fired, and two, if the team continues on this trend, even if they do get some wins, he'll he'll be here next year. Yeah, probably. Um, so you asked what would change? Uh, and that doesn't have to be well, personnel. Here's or the thing. Whatever. Here's the thing. Coaching. I think schematically, a three, being in a three-three-five defense is always an interesting choice because you have five. I mean, you have five defensive backs on the field, which isn't. I'm not gonna say it's abnormal. But not a, not a ton of teams run a three three five, right? You look at the NFL. It's yeah, it's always four, three four or four three. Exactly. A three three five. Again, I'm not going to play. Sit here and break it down like Peyton and Manning. play coach. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to be Peyton Manning here and be like the three three five defense actually gives you more versatile. I don't care. Okay, I'm watching this team get shredded, and I'm watching. You might as well have a linebacker in the secondary for all I care. <laughs> you. They are having to do more. The nickel corners are having to do a lot of things, right? They're gonna have they're having to come down and stop the run. They're having to play man to man at the slot position. They're having to be versatile players, and it puts a lot of pressure. More than anything, it puts a lot of pressure on the two inside linebackers. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the difference between last year and this year, which we expect to come in because Brandon Gardner and EJ Ajian were so damn good last year that it covered up for a lot of the shortcomings last year's team had. This year. The Davis boys have not been bad, but they haven't been up as There hasn't been a unit that can carry this team. Exactly. So, But I'm just saying that in the 3-3-5 defense, I feel like there's a lot of stress on those two inside linebackers. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like you know if you play a 3-4 or 4-3, at least you have to take some of that pressure off of them. I don't know. That's just me personally just thinking like what could possibly change. Right. And you look at the 3-3-5 defense, and it's not 3-3-5 stack by, or anything, so it's not like that weird, but... It's a three three five, and I think that that's something that would be interesting to look at over the offseason if they're batting in, um, which we are hypothes- hypothesizing. So, um, all right, Colin. Um, how about this? Let's let's do a fun game. Fun game, Colin. I like fun games. Uh, percentage of blame on the coaches. Three coaches divvy up one hundred percent of of blame. For, and what am I blaming for? What losses? Yep, this season. <laughs> oh man. Ref at sixty percent, Bodie and Seth each get twenty percent. I can't. I'm not going to count like the individual position coaches because. Oh no no no! I'm, yeah, the big yeah, three. Yeah, the big yeah. That's it. Damn. There's no amount of offense that could could have won this game tonight. No amount. I'll say. I'll say. I'll say this. I got interesting. I'll say forty percent ref at forty percent Latrell, twenty percent Reader. Okay, I can agree with that. I I, I think Reader is the least of okay, the three. Yeah, I agree. Because I feel like Seth still does a lot. I just feel like Seth and Reader right now so far have been lumped together. So that's why I'm saying 2020. They have been. They have been. You're right right about that, but he is the head coach. So it's kind of like, okay. 
Okay, we have another question um, from Reddit Mean Green, I believe. It asks about, or they ask about the expectations without fine. So let's theorize here that he's out Mason, more than one game. Let's say he misses three games, four games, three this games, is, four games. Okay. This is theorizing, obviously. This so let's is, let's go over who they have. We've already next. gone over it, Colin. Well, Can you not for remember? those who do not remember, Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee. Charlotte, UTEP, and La Tech. Middle right? Tennessee, Charlotte, UTEP, and La Tech are the next four games. Let's so we're we going four games or three games? Let's let's say four games. Okay, four games. So again, Middle Tennessee, Charlotte, UTEP, and La Tech. Day two and two in that without Mason. I'm 100% confident in saying that. I've, uh, you give me a win against UTEP, and I don't know about the other three. <laughs> they, they, they win one of the other three. I don't know which one. I know probably not La Tech, but they win against Charlotte or uh, Middle. But regardless, yeah, without Mason, they go two and two in that stretch. And again, this is all completely hypothetical, so I don't even want to entertain this that much because it's complete. We don't know. But yeah, I think a two and two stretch in there would be interesting. And that's probably the most realistic thing. And that point, Colin, you know what that puts this record at? If they go two and two in that in that stretch? with Again, if, if they four lose and Mason. Six. Four and six. Okay. You have to win your last two games for a bye week for a, for a bowl game. If Mason's out for an extended period of time, they're not, they're not making a bowl game. What's an extended period? You time? say four weeks, they're not making a bowl okay. game because they'll lose UAB or Rice. Rice has been good. Rice has been good. Um. Yeah, so that's a that's a hypothetical. I, I don't want to go too far in depth with that. All right, Colin. Uh, lastly, before we touch on Middle Tennessee. And um, everything. Greg and NTSN ask about the transfer portal, Colin. Ah, uh, yes. The, the good transfer old transfer portal. portal, Colin, because we've seen SMU have success using it. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of teams have success using it. Yeah. We've seen just about everybody except North FAU. Texas. FAU. FAU is a very, a very close rival now. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I guess the first question is, I'm kind of, again, I'm, hy- I'm um, condensing their questions. First question is, should they use it more? And second of all, do you think they will use it more? I don't think it's from a lack of trying. Now, transfer portal includes JUCOs and graduates. Correct. correct? I don't think I don't think it's from a lack of trying. No, I don't I think everyone knows what Conference USA is. FAU has the Lane Kiffin shiny tag on it. And that's why I think FAU has been able to get those, you know, they got all those last chance you guys or whatever. Lane Kiffin is I feel like an outlier in Conference USA. SMU is in the AC, AAC. Yeah. Whereas we all know, you know, you take away Clemson under the ACC, you could argue that the AAC is better. So I don't think it's from a lack of trying. I think that the guys that they're getting right now recruiting, like the the freshmen or whatever, like that's good. I mean, they got Nick Harvey. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're it's from a lack of trying. I just think no one really wants to come here. It is tough, obviously, because there's a limited amount. Like, especially when you look at graduate transfers, mm-hmm. there's a limited amount of right. those guys, and they, and they most of the time go to other Power Five schools. They go to big. Most of the time, they want to go to a place where they, on their where they level, can throw least. themselves in the NFL, yeah. basically. Yeah. So graduate transfers are tough. I think JUCO would be the way to go, and we've seen JUCO players have success here, right? DeAndre Torrey, EJ Ajia, Lauren Easley, Lauren Easley. Like you go down the list of players that have had success here as JUCO guys. I mean, Kimon Hall. But but I think fans are asking, can North Texas be SMU next year? Can they get the guy from a guy from US, UCLA? And I think you said it. I think that they're going to try. There's Yeah, they can try all they want, but there's more than just North Texas trying to go for these guys. Yeah. 
I mean, and SMU I think is that one of them. Everybody saw the success SMU had. Yeah, Not just I mean, North they, Texas. they went from getting destroyed by North Texas to destroying North Texas and getting ranked. Yeah, I think that everybody saw that. I think TCU saw that. I think you go down the list of teams, everybody saw that. And so I think that there's going to be an even bigger, and we've seen the transfer portal blow up over the past four years, right? Like we've seen it go from this thing that like, okay, you want to transfer this, that, whatever, to now we see players. In like the just trans- announcing it. Yeah, like, we <laughs> see like, we see everything in the transfer portal yeah. now. And I think it's becoming it's like a free popular, almost. Yeah, it's becoming a popular thing among, amongst kids. So I think that maybe the, usage of the transfer portal increases but i think that teams wanting to get those players also increases agreed so um i think we answered the question that that question adequately um so yeah do we think that they're going to go after those guys yes do we think that they will get them probably not probably not i mean nick harvey caliber player is good yeah but most schools aren't looking for a who's the other graduate transfer i'm thinking of dominic harrison Oh, DeAndre Plant. I'm sorry. Yeah, but like like Nick Harvey's example, he's been injured twice. He's almost damaged goods. He's older. Everyone's trying to get like a younger guy, like like SMU. They got guys that were just kind of playing and now wanted to be full on starters. And now look at him. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do over the offseason. It'll be interesting yeah. to see where they go. Do you, do you have any other thoughts before we move on Middle Tennessee? Anything you just that's just been bothering your mind? Um, man, I feel like there's there's a lot. To, to say I, I just feel like we haven't been as detailed as we needed to be and I don't know if that's just because it's just all kind of been bad well, the thing is okay here's the thing when we come on here and we do this podcast right after the right after a game and everything I don't want to make excuses I don't want to say that we haven't had a time to, to think right, well, we were thinking about the whole game thoroughly. justice yes we, we've been <laughs> sitting here thinking about games and I think that we did a good job acknowledging why the panic is where it is I think we've done a good job analyzing where the points of concerns are. I think mm-hmm. we've done a good job doing that. I think the reason why we, why you feel that way, and I feel like the the reason why this podcast hasn't been two hours long, is because this has kind of been building up over the past right. three weeks. So this has been this has been building up since SMU. We came on here after SMU, and we were like, "Oh my gosh, what is happening? Like, is this team okay? Like, what is this?" And then the next loss happened. We're like, "Okay, is this team okay?" We've been doing the same thing time after time right. after time. At, at, to, guess, at a certain point, it's like, how much more is there to say? About we've always team? we've always con- uh, followed up the bad with there's hope. Like SMU, we said, oh, SMU is obviously really good. Now they face competition that is on their supposed to be on their level, and they've been they were just completely outmatched. So that's a good point. And I feel like so yeah. So when you talk about something at a certain extent, for like you said, there's always been hope, and there's always been a light at the end of the tunnel. And right now, after this loss, the light is so small that I don't even know if it's visible. And when that's the case, it's hard to come on here and be like, it's hard to give multiple sides to a story. When there's when, really only kind of one. When there's only one side yeah. to that story. Yeah. So I, I, we just came on here and basically just said, this is what it is. You have to take it or leave it. I gave a little sliver of hope that they might go undefeated for the rest of the season. That's my sliver of hope that I will give y'all, but that's all I can give y'all. And so the rest of this podcast, you got to take it or leave it. You yeah. got to accept it. I think at the end of the day, yeah. you have to, so when you listen to this and when you listen to people rationally talk about North Texas and you're not 
going and talking to your, your friend and being like, man, they need to get rid of Seth the trail right now, like this instant or, or over this off season, they need to go recruit a Shane Bouchelle like level player and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of things that, you know, you're going to say, but I don't know I, how I think, I think one is. thing we can answer is we mentioned how Seth shouldn't be fired slash couldn't be fired and all that. We're not saying the why, I guess. Because, I mean, tons of people are saying Seth, is there's no fight on like, the second half or that he should have called timeouts to get Jason Bean to play more or things like that. So I'll just ask this. why Do you, th- do you think another coach, whoever it would be, would have more success than okay. Seth? No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not going to say that somebody would come here and would have beaten Southern Miss if they had a different coach, if at the same level. I'm Obviously, right. you go to... I don't know. Go to a, a less mile or not less miles, but Ed Ordron or I don't know. Name any Power Five coach, not any Power Five coach, but you know, you yeah, name like Nick, like, like, like Dabo Sweeney. Or, yeah, yeah. You name those guys. A lot of their work comes in the recruiting, right? And mm-hmm. they come from selling the brand of Clemson, Alabama, LSU, this and that. And that. Same thing with Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma. Yeah, exactly. And college football, more than anything else, like more than the NFL and everything, the coaches are contingent on the recruits. Exactly. So half of their job is recruiting and half the job is getting those players. And that's why it always comes back to the coach. But as far as actual coaching decisions, like game by game stuff, Mm -hmm. like you can look at, you can look at like less miles and you know, he's going to be aggressive and you can look at this coach and be like, he's going to be conservative and this and that. So you can have styles. One's going to be offensive. One's going to be defensive. Yeah. You can have styles, but College football is so different, and college sports is so different from professional sports or high school sports or anything like that because you have to actually get the players right and then do it. Like, there's no draft, there's no you know stuff like that. Even that, everyone in in the professional sports, they are the best of the best in such the small pool. Whereas in college football, the best of the best are there, and then you have the worst of the worst. Yeah. All right, so here's one thing. So I I don't know if I answered your question fully, but here's one thing I will bring up because I didn't bring it up last podcast and it kind of bothered me, and I feel like we have some time to talk about it now because we talked about assigning blame to people, right? We talked about assigning blame to Seth Luttrell, which I feel like we have done an adequate job of, but a lot of people said that, okay. So basically remember when you said that Seth Luttrell is doing the best with what he has basically in a sense. So it's kind of like, you know, I had said said he was the offensive coordinator at UNC and led them to a, a New Year's six bowl. Mm-hmm. Before he came here, so he had a lot of success before he came here. Right. It. it, it th- this is the outlier in his career, in terms of the 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 bad stuff has happened. Even though throughout his tenure here, he's improved the team. Yeah, he's been good. Um. So, anyways, you came on here and you said that, and you said you can't really blame him. A lot of people didn't. They didn't directly say it to us, but I kind of saw it and I kind of thought it's an interesting take. Is that he's not doing good enough, not because he's not improving the team and stuff. He's not doing good enough because this program and this athletic department has put tens of millions of dollars behind him as a coach. Mm-hmm. They've put a new practice facility up for him as coach. They have given him all of the resources possible. They have paid him extremely well. They've seemingly raised his pay every single year. And he is by far, I believe, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not going to do the I research I feel like Doc Holliday would have the only... like. The Marshall coach would have the only one who's paid more. Yeah, possibly. Okay. Well, he's paid a lot of money. Yes, millions, millions. 
with an S. I don't know how much with an S, but still, plural. Maybe 1.5, I don't know. But regardless, Mason Fine is, or Mason Fine, Seth Luttrell has paid a lot of money, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of resources into this program to be, for it to be successful. And right now, it is a middle-of-the-pack Conference USA team. That is where the concern comes from, because you look at boosters, they're like, where the hell is my money going? Mm-hmm. We just built a new indoor stadium. That's a good point. That's a good point. Like it, that's that's where the concern of a lot of fans is, and I feel like it's a fair concern. That's something that we didn't address on this podcast last time, and I wanted to come on here and be like, okay, yeah, we missed that one. Like I will happily say, like when we missed something, and that is an angle that we completely missed. Like we missed a lot of the anger isn't because of this team's not where they want it to be. It's because the team's not where they want it to be, and North Texas is paying a hell of a lot of money yeah. for this guy, and they have an indoor practice facility, and they've re-signed him. Twice since he's been here, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. They're paying him a lot of money. Yeah, that's and a good I point. think that was something that we didn't address last time. And so I completely, I, it's hard to defend Seth Luttrell when you put it like that. Like, this is the highest paid guy in Conference USA. This is a guy that North Texas is throwing their entire foundation of funds behind. Right. And he's not able to produce in year four. Yeah. When you put it like that, it's like. I don't know, Seth. Like this is not looking good for you, man. I'm trying to yeah trying to help you out here. Trying to but... look for reasons, but it's getting harder and harder every year. <laughs> yeah, and we've I've tried to come on here and not be the Seth Luttrell apologist, but um, you know sometimes it just happens because I don't know how much more there is you can do with this team because it's a limited team, right? In it, my opinion, like like you but said, but there are there is blame to go around, right? I mean, but you can throw money at Seth Luttrell, but it's still in North Texas. It's still a Conference USA team. It's still there's no there's no hype behind it. You know, yeah. but you have, to... man. You bring Nick Saban here. All the recruits are still going to Alabama. Yes, no, no, no. I, I agree, I agree, I agree. And I, that's why, that's where I say that. That and, and but obviously, are... obviously, you get some guys. But in the case of Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin was able to get some really good transfers in his first couple of years. But that was because it was Lane Kiffin. That only lasts for so long. At the end of the day, like you said, it is recruits. Yeah. Um. You know what I almost caught myself saying is that like <laughs> you're the highest paid coach in Conference USA. At some point, you have to win a conference championship. And I'm gonna end, we're we're gonna end this section of the podcast just by saying that that dream appears to be dead for yeah. the foreseeable future. For this year, I'm and not I'm not gonna go into future years. Yes, next year theoretically there should be a slump. But we're not gonna kill hope for 2020, okay? <laughs> Before it even happens. Yes, I'm. I'm not gonna kill it yet, okay? Uh, we gotta give people something to look forward to. Well, I have, so, I have one more thing. Okay, go one ahead. more thing. You, you, we didn't answer this question. Uh, you said you wanted to ask it. Did we overhype this team? Oh man, that's a good question because that's I completely forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. Um. To put it simply, yes, but. And I know that that's kind of crazy, right? Like, how loaded, do you, it's a loaded question. How do you overhype this team when you have all these seniors and all this talent? I think we overhyped just how dominant they should be in Conference USA. Because at the end of the day, we've said it multiple times. We, it's kind of like our phrase on this podcast is, "Hey, that guy, he's a good Conference USA player." This <laughs> team has a lot of really good players, but we got that confused with good. AAC players. Like we got that confused right, with yeah. UCF, Houston, SMU level players. Yeah, we called this team this team was trying to make its way to to be a UCF. Yes. 
we we overhyped that. They are so far away from that, it's unbelievable. We completely overhyped that. Now, if you would have told me before the season, like, okay, yeah, they're going to lose those two teams, I would have still been like, okay, that's that's understandable, but they should at least like have success in conference play. And right now, they don't even look like a good conference USA players. So that in that respect, I think that they, we did overhype them. Um, I did say yes, right? Well, at the beginning, you said you didn't think so. Okay, so anyways. So why did you not think so at that time? At that, okay, 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 okay. See, I'm... It's 11.30. Oh, <laughs> damn, bro. I'm I'm running on fumes right now. Um, No, so I don't think we did. And I understand why we perceive them to be Confitusa level players, right? So we didn't we did not oversell them. Man, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Okay, okay, let me let me retract what you just said. Okay. You said we because did overhype them. I've lost my we training. did overhype them in the sense of these are good AAC players or these are good higher group of five level talent. Yes. When in reality they're just really good conference USA players. And then you just now said but we didn't overhype them in what sense? So you were, you were, man. Thank you, Colin, for trying to get me back on the right track. <laughs> you were having trouble. <laughs> no, I am. I am having trouble. To th- just because thinking about this kind of makes you makes you rethink the whole last six months when you were talking about this team. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, no joke, man. It really does. It makes you think about that time when I'm sitting here writing conference preview stuff and I'm going through list of players of like. Oh man, Rico Bussy is the top three receiver. Or... Rico Rico Bussy Mason Fine, top ten duo in the country for Yes. I mean that was the Bleacher Report thing. Yeah. So I mean when you go back and you look at just how how much this team has missed the expectations of the quote unquote experts, which we consider ourselves to be of this team. Yeah. Um, it's hard okay. Let me rephrase let me let me completely scratch what I've said. Because it is hard to look at this as any other way besides besides um overhyped and i do think that that is our own faults okay yeah that's our it's our own faults for i think that's what i was trying to say more than anything it's our own faults for looking at this team as world beaters when they're just a conference USA team right i don't think it would have been high, too high of expectations to expect them to go six and two conference play and that's what I had them initially I had them at eight and four and six and two but they're just they're just not there they lost 48 to 27 or 45 to 27 against Southern Miss and so so when you put it like that and when you say all this um I guess they are overhyped um or I guess they were overhyped to start the season but I think they were overhyped by everybody like, right. this, like we this said was early, not just us like we said earlier in the podcast they received 20 of the 26 votes to right. win the division everybody thought them thought of them as a really good team so yeah i don't i don't i completely butchered that but yeah that's probably that's all i have to say about you know what i'm gonna say what are you gonna say Colin? we did not overhype them okay you get you expand on your reason better than i did go ahead so i don't think we overhyped them because one injuries so far have not been favorable not but i'm not going to use that as an excuse but you did but go ahead but i'm saying that like today's performance yes you know you have rico Lot different things can happen, but Rico Bussy, I'm still I could still I'm still gonna say on here that he's top whatever we we said him in we said top twenty I think receiver in the country I still agree with that if he's healthy Mason Fine still a top ten quarterback the talent on this team I don't think is the problem but they're not gelling they're not 
they're not doing what we thought they were going to do. So I don't think, I think talent-wise, we looked at this team and we're like, okay, this team has talent. We have Nick Harvey. We have Rico Busset. We have Mason Fine in his senior year. You name those names still and you say, okay, those are talented players. And I think they're better than good Conference USA players. You put, you can put Nick Harvey probably on any group of five team and he'd be starting coming yeah. into the season. Yeah. You put Mason Fine on any group of five team, some power five teams, and he'd be starting and be better than their current starter. Yeah. Rico Bussey, same thing. He's started on a lot of teams. So I don't think it's... We looked at this team and we looked at it on paper when we should have been looking at it like they lost to Utah State by this much with this much talent. They lost to Troy with this much talent. They lost big games with this much talent and would never they made lost it. to FAU. Too. Right, they lost to FAU with all of this talent. And the reason why we've been hyping this so much is because they have all this talent. And I don't... I'm not denying the talent. I think the talent is there. I think there's a... There's... We're just not coming into it. We're thinking the talent's just going to carry them all the way. When in reality, that's not how a team sport like this works. So no, I do not think we overhyped them because on paper, they were supposed to be competitive with SMU. They were supposed to be competitive with Houston. They were supposed to be competitive with Cal. And they just haven't been. And we talked about this podcast that's been either from coaching or lack of adjustments or whatever. The talent is there for this team. It just hasn't been used correctly in my eyes. That's a great take on Thanks. That was fantastic. <laughs> Gosh, you made me sound stupid. That is fantastic <laughs> job, Colin. Good job. All right. I want to end it there because or I want to end that there. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. But like I said, like I said before, if it feels like we missed anything, I feel like it's just on past podcasts. <laughs> like we've, right, addri- yeah. we've addressed we, we, problems we've, about this team for four right, weeks it, now. It's blending together. Yeah. It's starting to blend together at this okay. point. Um, so let's move on to, to the uh, the part that no one really cares about at this point because they're probably they probably just listened to that and were like, probably dang, just, we just underachieved and now they're going to bed. Um, or they're downing their six. But we beer. have a game next week against Middle Tennessee State University. Woo! <laughs> um, yeah, North Texas plays Middle Tennessee next week. We're not going to go in super depth with this. No, one. this is this is very we're glossing over this. Yeah. Do you, you have want, the stats up or I have them up if you don't? Uh, I have the. Games up. They lost to Michigan 21 40, beat Tennessee State by three touchdowns, lost to Duke by 23, lost to Iowa by 45, beat Marshall 24 13, which is probably their most impressive win. And then they lost to FAU today 28 13. Coming in, we knew that they lost Brent Stock still, their quarterback. Yeah, the guy who um, won MVP last year. Yeah, great player, great quarterback. Um, he basically carried them. This year, it's a very different team. They still have receivers who are very talented. Um, Ty Lee, I believe, is the name of the receiver. No, their leading receiver is uh, something Pierce. I I just have that just right here. <laughs> something Pierce. Hold on, let me let me click on only his name. the most in depth the only, analysis. Uh, Jaron Pierce. Oh yeah, Ty Lee's down here. He has the most receptions. So Jaron Pierce is their leading is their leading receiver with two hundred forty five yards and two touchdowns. Their quarterback. Um, Asher O'Hara, or yeah, how do you say O'Hara. that? He uh, he has ten touchdowns, five picks. Yeah, ten touchdowns, five picks. Um, the, this team is is on paper very average looking. Yes, but they have some players like um, Ty Lee and Jaron Pierce. So, um, also Asher O'Hara is a, a mobile quarterback. I just want to I don't I want to give the complete basics about this team real quick. Yeah, that's that's important to note. Asher O'Hara has eighty six rushes for um. A net for 368 yards, and that's including sacks. Mm-hmm. So every time, so when he runs, it averages over four yards a carry. So he's a mobile quarterback, which Jack Abraham was not, but they've seen plenty of mobile quarterbacks 
this year. So, um, yeah, that is them on paper on offense. On defense, I don't know what to expect from them because I'm trying to remember if they had an all-conference. They had a safety. They have safety who's all-conference level. Let me get his name. Yeah, Reed Blankenship, one of the best safeties in the conference. Reed Blankenship is very good. Um, how do I compare him? How do I compare him? How do I compare him? Um, he's similar. I think, yeah, you know, Southern Miss had some good safeties as, as well. Uh, Kyle, or not Kyle Hemby, but um, they have a lot of good players. I think Southern Miss is a better defensive team. Middle Tennessee is kind of on paper kind of top-heavy when you have Reed Blankenship. Uh, Khalil Brooks is also a good a good player for them. Those are just some names to throw out there just to get y'all familiar with them before I do my preview stuff on them. Um, well, that's all I had for them. Because yeah. Another note, just so then people go ahead. Uh, they uh, average two hundred seventy seven passing yards a game, and they allow two hundred forty three rushing yards a game. Yeah. So take that for what you will. Yeah. Um. And- there's no line, obviously, because mm-hmm. this is the night of ESPN's FPI has North Texas winning seventy four percent. I'm not. What do you think the line should be? And this is just obviously very limited knowledge on Milton. So last week I said the line was eight and a half for Southern Miss. No, that's no. Not did true. I say North Texas? You, no, no, no. So you said the line would be four and a half for Southern Miss and I said one and a half for Southern Miss and it ended up being three and a half for Southern Miss oh okay so you or that's when you text me and you're like oh, oh yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah you're right okay so for Middle Tennessee line for North Texas two and a half oh okay I'm gonna say four and a half uh, here's a question and also this is Mason Fine's status is not known right now we're yeah, assuming yeah we're, I'm playing. assuming he's playing yeah me too Um, real quickly attendance wise you're, it'll be announced 13 and won't look like more than 8 Woo, <laughs> yeah I'll tell you one thing Um, the Houston game was sold out I feel like that was a lot of people's like yeah I'm gonna go to a North Texas game this year I'm, I'm gonna go to that Houston game that Houston game looks good that was their game to go to that and homecoming which is I believe against UTEP yep and those if, are the two games and if they continue playing like they have been I don't even know about UTEP. You don't but, even know about UTEP. But yeah, like the Houston game is something that everyone's had on their calendars. Like, oh, Houston's coming to Apogee? Oh, we got to go to that game. Like, People yeah. from Houston were coming. Yeah, I let's mean, get our friends and go. Like, that's the type of game you go to if you're just like a casual dude. Like, Houston's coming to town. You yeah, know? you don't go to the Middle Tennessee State you game. You don't go to the Middle Tennessee game after you just got mopped by Southern Miss. Yep. So, keep an eye out on that. Hopefully that there is a little bit we'll more. We'll be there. A little bit of support. We will be there. So, you at least got two in attendance. <sighs> We will be there, Colin. All right, Colin. We didn't have our predictions I, for the score. I don't even want to predict, but uh, <laughs> we gave our lines. That's good enough. We'll have our predictions in our preview weekly. Preview. Yeah, once we figure out more um, about who's all right, Colin, playing. Let's take a deep breath. I think everybody, all our listeners, let's take a deep breath. Because I don't know what to say. It's uh, It's been a good run. <laughs> it's been, yeah. You know, our, our, our thing this whole, this whole, this whole this year has it. been, this is it. And it actually feels like this is it. Like it feels like we've hit the end, and barring some unforeseen miracle, your this is tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight was your season. Oh man, okay. We gotta keep some sort of fan interest. I already told you I'm at a nine and a half. I don't have fan interest. Here's the fan interest. Basketball season's coming up, and the basketball basketball season yet. And the basketball team looks really good, guys. You're not gonna. You're not gonna want to miss our breakdown of Thomas Bell on the outside and. You sound Abdul very sarcastic, Muhammad. but like the team's actually really good. The team is good. The team is good. So yeah, we'll start getting into the basketball. Basketball. Well, it was going to be two weeks from now, but we might we might move that up. <laughs> might expedite that. <laughs> we, we might expedite that depending. Uh, if, if if actually if if y'all listeners want to hear basketball stuff in two weeks or a week, let us know. Hey, there you go. Let us know. 
So yeah, guys, uh, we thank you for joining us this uh, episode. I'm not <laughs> not gonna make it sound like this it is sounds it. Sounds like this is the end of the season. It sounds like this is the last game we were ever covering, <laughs> and then this is. Guys, there's going to be a football podcast next week, no, okay? yes, we're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to be able to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, you're going to wake up tomorrow. It's a football game. Everything's going to be okay, all right? Uh, like I said, hold on to that sliver of hope that they go undefeated the rest of the season. Go to the Middle Tennessee game. Get your friends to go to the Middle Tennessee game. I'm sure, unless Mason doesn't play. Then, then I don't blame you. Then I'm just like, all right. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, thank you all for, for joining us today. Uh, real quick, I'm just going to plug, um, leave us a rating on Apple. Even if you listen to us on SoundCloud, go type in on your Apple podcast, Bruni's Breakdown podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Uh, five stars only, please, and thank you. If you just, if you disagree with us, let us know, respectfully, of course. Uh, subscribe to MeanGreen247.com. That's who we do this for. That is who um, we work for. That's who uh, we Put Bruni's food on the table. That's who we do, do all this for. So if you could just show us some love on there, we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, I think that's, that's all I have to plug again. You'll wake up tomorrow. You'll be okay. Colin is dropping stuff. I don't know what's but happening. But tonight, while you're listening to this, you won't. You aren't okay, and you can you can cry it out with us. Cry it out, man. <laughs> All right. Well, for Colin Mitchell, I'm Matthew Bruni. Y'all have a great weekend, and we'll talk to y'all later.